Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ Podcast. I'm joined here with my co-host, Frank Gow, and also I have our special guest, John Bodziak. John Bodziak is the current XO of the Marine Corps shooting team. You probably heard him a couple weeks ago whenever he was on with Alex Goking. Uh, solid guy, great shooter, and, you know, Captain Scott, you know, you better be watching out because he's like the next up-and-comer being you. Which is exciting, in, in, in all honesty. It's kind of exciting seeing somebody else take the reins and and be as energetic uh, as he is and wants to carry on that legacy that, hey, just because I'm an officer doesn't mean I'm spending all my time in the office. I'm still doing all the work that's required and I'm doing the work that's required on the range as well to set the example for everybody else. So, John, I really appreciate you coming back on here. No, it's great to be back, and uh, that's uh, those some big shoes that I needed to fill with uh, with Captain Scott. And goodness, the way you put it made it sound all that much more intimidating. <laughs> now you're going to be fine. Like whenever, whenever I first uh, when when we sat down for the first time when you were checking in, you know, I was kind of feeling you out, and we were talking there for like a couple hours, and. And like, I was like, yes, this is the type of individual that we need on this team. And like, I just got nothing but positive vibes from that interaction. So I'm really excited to see somebody, you know, come in behind Captain Scott that that sees the same vision that we saw and wants to take the, the team to the next level. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to, to be here and be part of this and, and, uh, and to keep uh, keep everything rolling along and, and, and institute the changes that we're working on. So I, I guess I'll start out. Um, so what were some of your conceptions prior to the coming to the teams and how have those changed after you shooting the summer season? So uh, my conceptions of the teams and prior, prior to coming to the teams uh, have kind of uh, changed a little bit throughout the years. You know, I mean, it started when I was a, uh, just, you know, that lieutenant going through the pipeline at, over at TBS and that range week rock walking uh, all the way over for uh, to, you know, do our qual and learn how to shoot right. Um, and I saw that the we passed by the, the shooting team's offices every day uh, during that. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I didn't know we had a shooting team. Um, and that, that seems like it, was, it seemed something that was just so out there and untouchable, uh, especially to you know, a, a new lieutenant, like brand new to not even being in the fleet yet, let alone uh, to my job school. Uh, and then once I actually got out to the fleet out in Hawaii um, and I went to my first mick um, you know, he kind of reinforced the, the the thought that everyone on the team is the is the end-all be-all for, for marksmanship knowledge. They, they know everything um, and, and they are the, they're no matter what to go to. And I still think that uh, very highly 
of everyone um, that, you know, those two mix that I went to out in Hawaii prior to coming to the team. Um, and the only way that really I would say that it's changed is that I've, I've realized a lot more that the, the other side of that coin is that really everyone on the team, besides having that professionalism that, and that makes them that next level shooter, um, and, and the instructors is that they're always learning and they're always striving to be better. And I didn't really even consider that until I started uh, meeting a lot of the guys on the teams once I got here and, and really interacting with them on a more regular basis and realizing just how much they, they embody that, uh, that student of your craft mindset. I mean, for goodness sakes, um, you know, Frank, I mean, we, you look at Cardi and how much time that he spends dry firing just about every day I mean, the dude has free time. He's going to find a way to get some some dry fire, and and his how he's performing shows that and demonstrates that. And he, he's just as much as willing to to try to share with you what's working for him, what he's learned from all these different courses that um, that he that he's gone to, and, and the other guys on the team are are no different, uh, and really in just their dedication to the to the craft, and not only becoming the best they can in that, but also taking that and figuring out how they can instruct it uh, back to the fleet and, and give back to the, the Marine Corps as a whole, which, again, is just super impressive um, and very humbling to be a part of. You know, I, I will say um, coming to the team and being part of the team the way I was, uh, I don't want to com- compare us to, like, third group. What's going on here? It seems like, okay... Sorry, I'm messing um, I don't want to compare us to like Third Group or Marsoc or, or any of those organizations because like they're at a next level. Right. Um, but they have a certain level of passion because like to them, like they have to be perfect at everything they do in order to survive whenever they go to combat. But I, you know, in the infantry you get in, in, in the Marine Corps in general, you get uh, 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 varying levels of professionalism across the board with all the Marines that you get. Some that are disinterested and they feel like the recruiter lied to them. Some that are really passionate about like doing what they do and they want to become the best that they are. And then some that are just in the middle that they're just getting through so they can go on to the next step of their life. And I, I see the guys on the team and... Everybody, even no matter what what phase of their life that they're in, whether they're planning on getting out or they know that they're only going to stay in past that um, past that four year mark or past their time till the, the, it's time to rotate, get out, or move on to the next level. Like they are absolute professionals and absolutely passionate about everything they do, and they want to make sure everything that they do is to the utmost standards uh, of professionalism. They want to be that perfect embodiment of marksmanship. And, and it's such a rare, it, it's so rare to see that anywhere. So that way, whenever you go somewhere else, you're like, well, that was the highlight and I, I don't experience that anymore. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just something I I, I, I noticed. No, absolutely. It's- Teams is definitely a special place, and you're going to eventually miss it when you're gone. 
but for the time being, we still got you for a bit, and I think you're going to do great things, John. Um, no, I want to talk about the summer season some. So mm-hmm. you've experienced a lot of growth as a shooter during a short amount of time. I think when the first major match that we shot together, you guys had already started summer season before, uh, was Western PA. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I think what I saw from you was at a certain point, like the aggression kicked in. And you were just, you were moving from position to position like a scalded hound, man. Like you're getting after it. And your raw times were up there. The accuracy just needed to follow. And I would say that like the accuracy has definitely followed. So, you know, you've become like you, you, you definitely beat me a few times over the uh, summer match season. It's great to see like you have a lot more uh, growing to do in your time with the teams. But what were some, what were some of the cornerstones of that growth? And if you could break it down in terms of like, physical and mental and just some of the coaching that you got from the guys on the team. Um, I'd love to hear about that. Absolutely. So, um, you know, coming, coming into it, I, I knew for a fact that I was going to be behind what these guys were able to, and it was, it was very daunting. Uh, but the, the guys, as soon as I got here and got appointed as pistol team, OIC, um, they were super willing to, as long as I was willing to listen, they were, they were willing to teach. Um, and so I was just trying to get as much as I could from figuring out what shooting with occluded sights was. Um, before this, I've, I'd ne- before this coming to the team, I never shot with a red dot. Um, and then so going from that front sight focus to that target focus was uh, a transition that I really struggled with for the uh, first two, three weeks. Sorry, did you pick up a dot cover? So they don't have them yet uh, for, right. the, for the one yes. that I have. Yeah. Um, party, as, uh... as soon as they make one for Romeo One Pro, best believe I'm uh, I'm, I'm snatching one of those up. Um, but right now, a piece of masking tape or electrical tape is is uh, is what I'm working with. Just as good. Um, yeah, but I mean, figuring that out and and really just understanding how to set all of my stuff up uh, and just getting those reps and sets in of, of good repetitions, um, and then just asking questions constantly like, Hey, I'm, I noticed this, I'm doing this. What should I be queuing into picking up on from, you know, realizing, Oh wait, now that I've, I've got some rounds under my belt, I can look at and realize how my dot is tracking. And from how my dot is tracking, identify how, what discrepancies there are in my grip or my trigger pull and, and my follow through and my follow up and, you know, the different kinds of, of sight pictures with, with a red dot for different targets um, things that I had, I had no idea about that as soon as I got here and, and started understanding and then um, them showing me what to look for and then seeing it, it really just started to to jive together uh, really well, which um, translated into the, into that confidence that you were talking about where I went from kind of being hesitant and, and not really as, as willing to just go at it aggressively. Um, and then once I started feeling a little bit more confident with that, I started being okay. Let's let's really focus on how can I make this work best for me. I identified that I really struggle with shooting and moving accurately at the same time. I tried to do it uh, a good bit during the beginning of the season, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, but the guys helped me realize okay, so there's plenty of you know GMs and and just absolute um, studs out there that are much more of move as fast as you can from position to position. And, and just make sure your transitions are clean. So for for the rest of the season, I started focusing a little bit more on that. And then um, area five is where it started to kind of 
turn over there, and then area eight is where I think it really really clicked for me. Um, that oh okay, I can I can push it here, dial it back here, and then making sure I'm I'm good about confirming my shots at speed and then forcing movement between targets. Um, it, it really just all started to kind of click there, and then really I mean there were a couple times, especially before uh, Nats. Uh, to kind of just really get it into my my brain about the aggression for movement, where I was pretty much making myself run suicides on Sat Bay, uh, just trying to you know get gun up right before I come around a barricade or um, really transition hard between targets, uh, things that I knew were slowing me down and adding time that I could try to shave off and just refine, and you know all that was just things identified from after the matches asking the guys that were there, you know, Hey, what'd you see? Um, or what are some things that you notice that, you know, I'm still a little bit behind on that I could, that I could work on. Uh, and so, like you said, it, it's, it's translated to actually some, some really good growth for me. You know, I'm, I'm really excited to keep at it, uh, and hopefully get up there with, with the rest of y'all and everybody else, uh, get out of B class and start, start working my way up a little bit, uh, throughout this next season. You keep shooting the way you are. You're gonna match bump out of B class. No, uh, no worries. I wouldn't worry about the classification. It just kind of comes organically. Um, I myself am like 1.5 percent away from M class, but now I'm shooting open. So whatever. Missed that window of opportunity. <laughs> um, it's whatever. Um, I think one of the first things. Yes, um, might have been Western PA. It might have been Area Five. But you were asking me about shooting on the move. I basically told you like there are targets that are more permissive and there are targets that are punishing. So you want to move on the targets that are more permissive. Uh, is that something you implemented? Absolutely. Uh, just really implementing that as part of my stage plan. You know, at, at, when I first start, started thinking about stage planning, um, when I was kind of out and, and first getting into the sport and, and kind of figuring out how to do it myself, um, it was much more of like, okay, what's a logical way of going through this in, in a sequence, not really identifying, oh, what's a good open target to come in on that I can start shooting and not have a good foundation or sight picture for that I can, I can accept that margin of error a lot more. And then, you know, what are some other ones that, you know, I should probably make sure I, I really steady up a little bit more for like, uh, you know, partials or no shoots. Um, and, and you know, that, that was part of the thing that clicked is, you know, when you pointed that out and then getting those those reps in where it just kind of started to coalesce and understand where those boundaries are and then implementing it in that stage plan. Um, and then, you know, the hardest part, actually running your stage plan. Um, it, it kind of all started to, to work out there. And again, I, I attribute that entirely to, to y'all being so willing to to help me out, both you know you and everyone else on the team. It was that we saw that you were making strides and we saw that you're putting in the work. And when you run into people like that, you want to help them out. You want to see them do better. It's really what the, one of the best parts about competitive shooting, practical shooting, is that everyone wants to see each other do do good, do great things. So yeah, it was a it was a pleasure to be able to you know get, throw you some coaching tidbits. Um, your movement, I would say, is your strong suit. Um, has that helped you define like your shooting style? And I guess my follow-on question is: Was there a point at which you 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 were feeling yourself and you were pushing hard, but then it kind of like bit you in the butt and you realized you need to tone it back a little bit? So there there was one stage specifically at uh, area five, I think it was area five. Um, was hard, man. 
It was. I think it was, it was. It was the Virginia count where there was the the two separate ones shaped like an L, where you, it was one shot per target. Oh, the um, the fixed time stage. Yeah. Yes, the fixed time stage. Uh, so for that one, um, we you know we practiced it a couple times or something similar to it prior to going, and then once we showed up, went at it, and I was like, okay, I need to get up there as fast as I can. Well, I went up there so damn fast that I ended up almost running through the barricade punched my gun all the way through and had to come up and shoot in a really awkward position for the entire left side before I could fix it when transitioning over to the right side. Um, still managed to make it under time and, and had all my shots on targets, but I, I, there were some really sloppy shots and, in my opinion, some lucky shots um, because of that, because I just I, I went too hard too fast and, and didn't account for, for breaking right enough, and I, I had enough time uh, left over where I just... I overrushed it and it, and it bit me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll say like to that, like shoot last December when I, I, I was shooting a match. I kind of, I was like, Hey, I'm just coming out here to have fun. I don't care about placement, but I just want to, in a match setting, I want to see how fast I can push myself. You know, what's the harm? It's a local match. Just go out there and put it out, all out on the table. And it really showed me what I truly was capable of. Like, I had uh, one, our gun, one of our gunsmiths, Dalton Miller, with us. And, like, some of the other people that were there, I, I didn't know. But they were just like, holy shit, dude. I don't want to be on the other side of your gun. And, and like, I, I just kind of let loose a bit and just focused on that speed and aggression and... It was probably one of the first times I I had done that in a long time, and it it clicks. And th- at that point, you know, you know what your limits are, and, and I, I guess that's kind of what you went through. You you saw what you your limits were, and you saw how it all kind of came together. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. So you talked about area eight. As yeah, I my match was terrible. Area, you had a good match. Um, as one of your aha moments in terms of matches, what were mm-hmm. some of your other like eureka moments throughout the season? Uh, just some of the other concepts that may have clicked, and you may have covered them all already. I'm just wondering if there are any others. I, I would say definitely the biggest one is is dot tracking. Um, you know, a red dot is, is such a wonderful diagnostic tool in of itself, but you have to understand um, what it's saying so to speak, and, and just kind of learning that and, and picking up on it and being able to really just adjust my grip and, and how I do it to where it, um, you know, it tracks right um, and is even able to stay in the window um, because before it will leave, come back, or, or bring the dot up, or bring rather bringing the gun up and not knowing where the hell the dot is. Um, so you're sitting there just trying to fish around for it um, and, and – uh, Finally, just get getting all of that in there. I think was the one of the the greatest aha moments I have, where I was like, I would be able to consistently bring it up, see it, and then track it uh, when I'm moving from target to target and uh, with follow up shots. And and that in of itself was was a really was a really big confidence boost once I once I consciously had that moment. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of detail that you end up getting once you start shooting uh, for a while, both in your visualization and what you understand is happening while you shoot. I would say, like, the first time you go and shoot a match, remember the targets and try to get everything on paper. But now there's so many nuances that you have. There's grip, there's assessing the sights, there's footwork. Um, It's really quite a lot that all has to come together in that 
under 20 second stage. So it's the fun of it all, right? Absolutely. So you're the XO of the team now. You know, we've kind of gone away from the traditional OIC of the pistol team, rifle team, all that kind of stuff. You are the XO of the team. What would you say are some of your short and long-term goals as the XO of the team? And then I'd like to follow that up with what are some of your personal goals that you would like to achieve? So first with the short and long-term goals for for the team, um, the big thing is making sure that we're able to um, participate and and stay competitive in the disciplines that that we're – competing in uh making sure that we're, we're prioritizing them appropriately um and, and kind of structuring ourselves in order to set up uh to turn around and give the best instruction back to the marine corps that we can uh re- really it's the big picture is yes we're we're here to compete and, and represent the marine corps but we're also here to turn around and enhance the you know any marines capability to reach out and hit what they're trying to shoot at Mm-hmm. Um, which for me is is uh, a huge part of why we're here, um, and, and why we're you know regarded in some respect as the stewards of marksmanship in the Marine Corps. Um, and so, really, just making sure that we're pursuing that in in the way that makes the most sense, um, given how we're structuring and how we're setting up as a corps uh, now, I think is is really important. Um, and you know that that is in a good amount of ways going away from a lot of the traditional ways uh, that the team has done it previously. We're getting a lot more invested into action sports um, and divesting a bit from some of the more traditional disciplines like, like high power and bullseye. It doesn't mean we're completely removing them, but they're going Should to do. Well, there's a, there's, there's pros and cons <laughs> to each, right? Um, yeah, I know. So, I, I, I mean, think everybody's aware of my, uh, <laughs> my, my standpoint. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, arguments on every side, uh, but while the Marine Corps still teaches both sides, um, we're going to continue to uh, participate in them and and pursue them uh, appropriately. You know, while they're still teaching the fundamentals uh, in in the entry level, uh, we still need to make sure that we can speak to that just as intelligently as we can to the other Marine who who's trying to put as many rounds on target as accurately and as quickly as possible at any range. Um, yeah. I kind of look at it as, you know, uh, and I'm sorry for kind of interrupting. Oh, you're good. Uh, um, all right, so we do have the Paris Island shooting team, and we do have the San Diego shooting team, you know, our, our, our two remaining post and station teams. And it's those institutions, and yes, we do have, like, the lieutenants that come through at, at Quantico, um, but those post and station teams, you know, if anything – they should be the remaining ones that are, I guess, focused on the high power aspect of it um, because that's that's where they are. That's what they are teaching. Like they are they are they are teaching the basic fundamentals of marksmanship out there. And those guys need to remain relevant and teach those specific skills, whereas like we kind of have the overarching authority on everything else and we go out and we do teach recon you know i know we've taught marsoc we we teach the pmos we go and teach things that are relevant to big marine corps it's like the building block approach hey here 
you know, for so many years, all they did was ART, you know, high power style, uh, and there was no progression past that. Well, we are finally at a, at a at a crossroads in the Marine Corps where it's like, hey, you're not doing ART anymore. We're we're going past that, and we're going we're going to push you to another level. And so that's part of our jobs, like ART or ARQ is another aspect of it. Like they're doing that now. But we now have that opportunity to say, hey, let, let's not just stop there. This is also what we do. Um, and, and that's kind of where I see that going. We Personally, we shouldn't be focusing on the high power aspect. Um, it just it doesn't do us any justice. Right. No, I, I, I completely see what you're getting at. And, and that's essentially what we're doing is we're taking a large portion of our focus away from it. Um, you know, for the longest time, it, it's been the primary focus and, and the and the main effort, really, of the of the shooting team. Um, and so now it's we're starting to get away from that a lot more and maintain a footprint in it, but mm-hmm. uh, by, by no means is it uh, the highest priority anymore. Um, just like you were saying, we're now we're we're getting much more involved with the uh, forces as a whole, whether it's the infantry or the recon. Um, or, or any of the other communities out there where they're much more dynamically inclined. Um, and even just, you know, you're any Marine from the fleet where they're going out and shooting ARQ, um, which, like you said, is much more, you know, gas gun, PRS-esque. Um, that's aligning much more with our action-type sports and our PRS team, our, our multi-gun team, and then uh, you know, even for, you know, all the teams that we're going out there and providing mobile training to teams to a lot of them are asking for pistol specific things as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And our pistol guys are just absolutely crushing it with that. Yeah. And uh, as far as, you know, continuing on uh, with the, with the question, um, you know, we're also starting to pursue a lot of other forms of competition as well. Uh, for instance, we, we've gotten into something that we'll probably touch on later, which is uh, some night competitions uh, running both white lights and NVGs, uh, passive and active aiming, kind of experimenting with that. Um, and then one of the ones that, that I really like that um, we're kind of doing a bit with, with Hard as Hell 3-Gun is some of the more physically inclined uh, marksmanship competitions as well, where, where it's not just how well can you shoot and how fast can you shoot, but also, okay, we're going to stress you out even more by putting you under physical load and physical duress, and you still have to be able to maintain that that accuracy standard, similar to like like you guys do with the the, the tactical uh, games. The tactical games, exactly. So whether it's those specifically or other ones, um, I'm definitely personally very interested in in trying to get uh, at least a bit of our footprint in that expanded as well. Because I think you know, as a core, we're we're very as much as we're regarded as as yeah, every marine marksman uh, rifleman. Um, it's also, you know, we, we hold in high pride our, our physicality as well. And I think it's good that we, uh, if given the opportunity, are, are represented that um, just as much as we are able to represent the other competitions. Agreed. And, you know, I I, I, I know you're very interested in uh, doing tactical games. And I know we're probably going to kind of game plan a match that we can both, you know, head up to sometimes, split the cost, hang out, bullshit, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's, I think that sport is still relatively young enough to where 
our team can realistically make a very good impact within it, you know, bringing home the trophies and, and learning something about ourselves and, and bring something back to the rest of the Marine Corps in those terms. So I, I think, you know, whether the team competes in it as a whole, uh, you know, I don't know. But as individuals, I, I think there's a huge benefit to kind of seeing how far you can push yourself while maintaining that that level of accuracy. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, no, whether it's, you know, on an individual basis or, or in, in a much more larger footprint, especially as the, the sport itself progresses and, and the organization progresses, um, you know, is really to be seen. But um, I think just like you're saying, yeah, some sort of involvement in it would be, if nothing else, of benefit. Does that kind of answer the question about a... Yeah. What yeah, is another, yeah. Are you guys, yeah. you mentioned hard as hell. Um, I didn't catch it. Are you guys doing that one? Uh, planning on it right now. Um, you know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll see how much of a, a footprint we can have with that. Or, uh, you know, if, if there's certain matches we have to, to cut based on, you know, Marine, Marine Corps loves to pinch pennies. Um, yeah, I, I know. Just, um, we'll talk after this, but I might be yeah. tagging along with that one. Um, Okay. Uh, after having gone through an entire summer season, so you did the entire summer season with the pistol team, and then um, you did some, you did three gun match, you did the pro am, and you've seen other parts of the team. Um, so you're, I'd say you're past your observation period. You've already seen how all that all runs. What are some things that you would like to implement going forward into future comp- competition seasons? So. Uh, one of the things that I would really like to implement going forward, at least to a, to a greater extent, is more or less cross training between the teams. Um, each team is exceptionally does exceptionally well in, in their respective disciplines, but you talk to someone out in the in the Fleet Marine Force, and you know even myself when when I was uh, you know out there and figuring out what the hell the, a mic was and, and what the shooting team did. Uh, I, you know, you expect someone to say, oh, they're on the Marine Corps shooting team. It's like, okay, then any shooting question you have, they should be able to, to speak to and answer intelligently, whether from experience or just a breadth of knowledge. Um, and so one, I think cross training between them, whether it's going out and competing in kind of the more minor or local matches, or if it's just, you know, okay, this week, everyone's going to, to go on this discipline or another discipline, I think personally would, would be of great benefit, both during the mic mix and during our periods of instruction, uh, as well as, you know, when those Marines eventually leave teams and go back to the fleet or, um, even just in general during their, their sports, you know, who knows, there might be something that, uh, someone could take from, from one sport that they've never been exposed to, uh, if they've been shooting one side of it, the entire time. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got pistol team guys implementing, you know, positional shooting in, in for specific matches that you get from PRS and PRS guys figuring out how to shoot a little bit faster um, or transition differently based off of the three gun or, or pistol guys uh, and really just getting that interaction um, a little bit more, I think is, is something that I am really looking forward to try to try to implement to a little bit greater extent uh, than it already does. Um, it was- it's funny that you kind of brought that up because uh, me and Bazone were actually talking today and we were kind of talking about how some of the guys on the team are just so hyper-focused in their disciplines, which is good, but they, you know, some people just, 
there's onesies and twosies on the team that can that can shoot all the disciplines or can go shoot anything. Um, but then there's some that they're really good at what they do within their own specific discipline, but they they don't know how to implement it into any other discipline. And like you and I had the conversation, John, like when uh whenever you were going down to shoot the pro am, and mm-hmm. I was like, hey. You're going down there with the skill not many people have. Like, hey, just learn how to uh, shoot a shotgun and load the shotgun. You're going to be fine on rifle and pistol. You are a step ahead. And, and was I not wrong? Like, you were a step ahead of most other people whenever it did come to pistol. Absolutely. The the confidence from that really, really played out. Even uh, transitioning back over to iron sights for that and getting, you know, about no time to, to make sure that, you know, I was hitting what I was aiming at and, you know, a total of like an hour to figure out how to quad load. Um, just like you're saying, just focus on what you need to focus on, rely on what you're able to rely on and, and go from there. And um, yeah, it, it seemed to work out pretty good. Last question I'll ask you, John, before we uh, move on to the other subject for this episode, um, carry optics nationals next year, just the competition season. I'm assuming that you're attending. Yeah. That's the plan. Okay. What's your? Uh, I, I plan on trying to uh, be involved with with each of the teams, um, to at least to some extent to to go to a match or if I can't shoot in it with them, uh, go there in attendance to you know just be there for support and exposure um, for each one. Just because you know if I'm the team's XO, I, I damn well better be able to speak to what each team does and, and be able to um, be a part of that. Um, of course, without and, being a detriment to that team. Yeah, yeah. Don't be like me. What are they doing? Oh, those are the high power guys. Yeah, don't don't you don't need to learn about them. <laughs> yeah, that I, I did bullseye pistol for a little bit, um, and you know, one competition, but it was it was exposure and it was mm-hmm. an learning experience. And I will I'll leave it there. Well, you know, and I personally like I think that's important. Like I. I got a full two years worth of experience shooting uh, precision pistol, and it. I love the guys like that. The team was tighter than can be, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what kept me motivated. And I, I kind of kept my feelings to myself about what I thought about it, uh, because I wanted them to be able to perform at their highest level, and I wanted them to know that I had their back, and I did have their back. No matter how much I may have disagreed with the sport, I wanted to see success in, in their abilities. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like time to move on. The relevance factor. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you took home a um, a B class trophy from this last Carry Optics Nationals. What's the goal for the next one? Um. Try not to get DQ'd, have fun, and do well. <laughs> That's my goal for most of them is, you know, I mean, it, even when it comes down to mindset, a lot of these guys love, love to score hawk, figure out, oh, how am I doing? And in, in my opinion, it's just it's a way for me to get inside my own head. Yeah. I don't want to worry about it. Um, so, you know, part of my mentality is, all right, do well, do what you know how to do, practice right, and it'll, it'll work out. Just, you know, shoot well, don't suck. So Been working out for you so far. Well, you know, everyone's got their day, I guess. Yeah. Nice. All right, so we're going to kind of shift focuses on shift focus on the rest of this episode. Um, I'm going to be asking the questions at this point. Um, 
And just to kind of rehash, Frank, I'll ask you the question first, and then Bod, you'll answer second. Um, but this weekend, uh, the Marine Corps shooting team, uh, I don't know, it was it just specifically the pistol team, or was it a mixture of like the action shooting team guys? Everybody went and they shot a night match. Um, it, it, was it just the pistol team that went, or was it a mix of the uh, different teams? Pistol and AMTP, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. So from the shooting team, it was it was primarily just pistol guys, and then uh, a bunch of the guys from AMTP. Yeah. Okay. I don't think any of the action guys made out there. No, they and, weren't able to. And for those wondering, AMTP is the Advanced Marksmanship Training Program. Uh, so essentially, they took guys from the Marine Corps shooting team and guys from Marksmanship Training Company. Um, they put them together, and they created a program of advanced marksmanship uh, that can be taught at the schools of infantry, uh, both east and west. And it's kind of the new, uh, what is it called, the infantry, um, the basically the, the new school of infantry, infantry school, I guess you can say where they're teaching these advanced shooting principles. That way, guys, those, those entry-level Marines, when they go to the fleet, they're going there with a, a higher level of marksmanship than what, like, personally, I had whenever I went to the fleet. So that's who the AMTP is. But uh, to kind of jump into the questions, all right, so, again, you guys competed in, in a night match, and... Uh, for both of you, was this your first time competing in this style of competition at night? And describe the experience. Frank, if you could start it out. Yeah, sure thing. So the match happened at Shadowhawk Defense, which is up in Hedgesville, West Virginia, about two hours from Quantico, hour and a half from me. It was hosted by Range Project Group International, or RPGI for short, they're run by uh, Chief One Officer 2, retired, uh, Brendan Soder. He was, I think he was in Special Forces for a little bit. Um, and then uh, he's also a GM in USPSA. So very, very, uh, very good shooter in his own right. Um, they ran a fantastic match, and I'm sure John will also attest to that. It was six stages. We started shooting around 7, 7.30, and we were done by roughly... Shortly after midnight, we're actually one of the faster uh, squads to finish. Uh, in response to the question, this was not my first night match. I shot a night match over at Griffin Group, uh, which was a lot of fun. They put on a fantastic match. Uh, I shot with the guys when, um, John, when you guys put on like a pistol match at SAT. You basically kept up the stages from QSC the previous mm -hmm. weekend, and then we shot those under night conditions. And then we went out to Iron Man and we did a lot of like long range rifle shooting. So that was two nights, uh, did both of those. Um, and the experience overall is I, I paid for both a rifle and a pistol slot. Um, so I basically would go in and I'd shoot my rifle and then I'd bump all the way to the, to the back of the order, swapped my pistol, uh, forgot my holster. So I had to use Major Hitchhack's pistol. Um, so it wasn't something I was used to. But I uh, still did pretty. Well. I did well enough in rifle to end up third overall. And John, uh, you, you took John took first overall in white light pistol. So we both came away with uh, some medals from the event. Nice. But it was awesome. Uh, they are gonna come back. Like 
it was such a fun event. Like everyone really had such a great time. Um, they, they cooked hot dogs and stuff for us. They fed us. Uh, really, really more of a communal feeling than a lot of USPSA matches. I think it's more, more par for the course for three gun. But he wants to come back and do like a championship match, which I understand is going to be like a daytime component, and then you're going to shoot the same matches or same stages at night. So um, I actually want to reach out to Brendan, try to get him as a as a guest on this podcast. I think it'd be really cool to pick his brain. But awesome match. I had a lot of fun, John. Hundred uh, percent. It was a great match, and so this was my um, third one as well. So the the first one uh, that I did was with uh, NVGs uh, that one that we put on at um, Weapon Strain Battalion that you you were just talking about the the pistol one and the rifle one. Uh, and then when I was at Pro Am, they hosted a, a night match there as well. It was uh, only four stages. Um, and, and that was from John Sherbert, who does the ones at the Griffin Group. Correct. Yes. So it was uh, that one was was really good as well. Um, and so between that one and, and this one, whereas that one um, I was also using white lights, but I was using a rifle and a pistol. Whereas this one I was doing uh, just white light pistol. Um, both of them were were very positive experiences, um, and, and this one was was really well done as well. The, a lot of their uh, designs and, and the manner it was run was both efficient and, and made a lot of sense. Um, and I think it, there were some really good takeaways as far as uh, for us going forward to um, implement as well um, after running it that overall made for a really great match, really enjoyable match, uh, and a, just just a great time overall. Awesome. Uh, so, John, is there any plans to transplant this style of shooting into what the Marine Corps shooting team teaches? And are you going to be doing any kind of night shooting at the Marine Corps marksmanship competitions? There is, actually, and we are. Um, so part of the reason that we, we've started to get into this as well is when we first ran our, our own night match internally on Weapons Training Battalion and then uh, started to go out and, and participate in a lot of these other night matches locally is because um, we're, we're starting to figure out that, you know, if we as a Marine Corps are going to say, hey, we own the night and be able to hit things at night, well, we should probably be able to to speak to that as well because marksmanship doesn't care if it if it's, you know, it's bright out or dark out. Uh, we should be able to speak to that, at least to some degree. And, and so... Part of the reason that we've been going to these matches is to get a lot of these takeaways and, and see how they're running them and how we could make our ideas more refined and, and more efficient in order to, to spread that to Marines as a whole. Uh, and even for this next MCMIC coming up next week for National Capital Region, uh, we're implementing a, a small night match uh, where we're doing uh, just rifle, just service rifle, uh, primarily active aiming, um, and, and we're doing two main stages uh, to where we're, we're really going to see how it how it plays out with people who might not be as exposed to it. Um, but we're, I'm really looking forward to see how it goes. We're looking to implement this at uh, just about all the mix unless something drastic changes, um, and then uh, hopefully uh, on the championship as well. 
Um, and then going on from there, even uh, so far as to implementing it into some of our mobile training teams or MTTs. I have to ask, uh, are you guys going to be issuing out like PVS 14s or are you guys going to have them using like the, the dual, uh, the dual knots? Um, yeah, the 31s. So understanding that we're catering to, you know, what each unit has and not every unit, um, that race 31s has all the 31s they're supposed to, let alone the rest of the Marine Corps yet. Uh, so really, we, we, we're, we need to be able to speak to both, and that's what we're planning on right now. So being able to do it with both 31s and dual tubes uh, and 14s. So for this, this match right now, if, the, if their commands uh, aren't able to provide them, we have a, very li- we have a limited number uh, at Weapons Training Battalion for, to help support National Capital Region. Um, so for this one, we're, we're helping them out by, by giving them some PVS 14s. And that's why for this one, we're not really worrying about passive aiming too much. Uh, we're, we're more on the active aiming in that competitive, uh, environment and going from there. Whereas, you know, as this progresses and, and, uh, gear and equipment starts to proliferate a little bit more to, to all the units, then that, that very well could change as, as time goes on. Um, but for right now it's, we're, we're dealing with, um, what's available to everybody and being able to, to see what is universal and, and speak to that, uh, and, and put that on. All right. So Frank, uh, I'll, I'll just keep this one with you because you're both going to have kind of the same answers, but what control measures did they have in place in terms of safety at, at the match this weekend? So they used USPSA-style rules. Um, they had a safe area. The safety measures, I mean, they weren't like super rigid, like kind of they are with PCC. Uh, they had little racks at each bay, and you could just lean up your rifle against the rack and grab it and just keep it upright when you were getting ready to shoot. All of us, oops, all of us had to, um, all of us had to use range flags prior to, so take that out. Make ready, do your thing. In terms of targetry, they only use a steel target once, and when you shot at it, it was with a prop gun. It was with a twenty-two with an mm-hmm. IR and visible laser. So you that the way they did it was actually, I thought, really, uh, really uh, well thought out. You would go and make ready with your personal weapon, and you turn around, and the RO would be ready with the twenty-two. It would hand it to you, have you test the laser a little bit, and that was the first shot you took. You basically, you know. Beep, shoot on the steel with the twenty-two, dump it in a barrel, and then take your personal weapon, um, rack around in it, and then start shooting the rest of the stage. Um, otherwise, it was just all basic USPSA rules. They enforced the one eighty. Um, I would say that they had chem lights on each competitor, right? Yes, yes. They put a chem light on the back of everyone's uh, everyone's head. So if you had a bump, it was pretty easy. Some of you guys, uh, like John, had to like Jerry rig it to the back of their baseball caps, um, and the ROs had different cam lights. They also okay. put cam lights in um, on the on like the back, the very back fault lines, mm-hmm. so you would know like where the very back fault line was. Um, and then also, it, it was mandated that everyone have a white light. So the way the unload show clear procedure was, you would finish shooting. It's like if you are finished, unload show clear. Um, take off the nods, uh, unload, show clear. At that point, the RO would shine a white light and visually inspect the chamber. And then if you were a pistol, you would uh, pull, pull, pull the trigger, um, holster, and then you'd be done. If it was rifle, 
you'd have to pull the trigger on an empty chamber and then insert the range flag, point the rifle up, and then you were good. So took a little bit more time, but we were we were very effective, especially for our squad. Um, it also helped that it was time plus. Like it was just two hits on paper and then just move on. And we were scoring by exception too, which you have to for these nightmares. Like people love shooting at night, but nobody wants to be out there till like two, three in the morning because you still got to drive home and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, this last question's for both of you. And, and I guess the kind of the premise for my, this question is, I remember way back when, when I was a young Lance, uh, Lance Corporal, you know, in Iraq, 2005. I know that's a long time ago for you, Bod. Uh, elementary school. <laughs> oh man, I'm old. Uh, but, uh, you know, I remember the very first night patrol I ever went on. Um, it was the very first patrol and mission that I ever went on. Uh, we left the wire and we patrolled probably a good eight miles on foot to our objective. And we started the patrol roughly around midnight. Uh, good thing was is that good thing for me is that the the moon it, it was a full moon. Um, bad thing that happened is within five minutes of the patrol, like I was using PVS 14s, the old, like, you know, two eye monocular, um, the, and those things are ancient anyways, uh, they stopped working within five minutes of stepping off on the patrol. And I, I had to just use my bare eyes. Luckily, like I said, there was a full moon, but that didn't give me too much confidence, um, in, in that equipment. Um, and like you kind of said before, we, we own the night, but do we really own the night? And, and so my question is, and Frank, we'll start with you. What is your confidence level now utilizing nods, um, when shooting in the pitch black conditions? Yeah, it is a common refrain that we own the night. I would say that for some units, we, uh, we have to foss the night. I would joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, I really got into it. I, I'd say the first few times I went out, um, just working with like active and passive aiming. Um, John mentioned it before uh, that at the mix, they're just going to do active aiming. Um, that's honestly more fun. You're just running around with a laser and just blasting stuff. I did a t- I did two, two of my first stages up at RPGI were with passive aiming just to just to get used to it. Um, I'm always learning new things under knots. When I aimed in, um, not the make ready, but the save table with my rifle, I realized that my um, my swordings were getting in the way of my cheek weld. So I just kind of pulled them up and used like in ear ear pro for the for the passive aiming. And then when I started using my laser, it didn't really matter anyway. Um, but in terms of like like the the gear set is completely different and the opportunities for you to shoot under those conditions are so much more restrictive. Like John, you guys can set it up on sat whenever, but for most of us, like aside from LARPing in the basement, like actually going out and putting live rounds through it, you kind of got to go out and seek a range that's going to allow you to do that. And I, I had ranges that were permissive ish back in North Carolina Really, you need someone with a large backyard to go out and like just mess around with. 
<coughs> but um, small things like the adjustments, the counterweights uh, for your nods, the setup of your equipment, where all those wires are going to be run, um, that takes a lot of time to get right. In terms of confidence, like I would say when it helped that the uh, the match we did on set was the same stage as we had already shot the weekend prior, um, that helped with the confidence bit because you already knew this plan for those stages. Um, but when we transitioned to Ironman, I, I knew, and I think it also rained that night too. Um, my footing, I was a lot more careful with my footing, especially coming back from my injury. Um, and then this last weekend, I was able, I was moving pretty aggressively under knots, which felt really great. You can't get away with it. It just, you got to practice it. Um, not sure what, what else you got to add, John. Well, I'll, since John did white light, I'll kind of preface it with, my first experience clearing house to house at night was in Hoklania, Iraq, which was near the Haditha Dam. And we probably stepped off of that in tracks probably around two o'clock. Well, probably roughly around 12, one o'clock in the morning as well. And there were times where we were using night, uh, the white lights and while clearing houses, like nods weren't enough. Uh, white light became a thing. Um, Based on your experience, and I guess whenever we were doing that, like we we did have light discipline. We didn't keep light on all the time. Uh, it was just whenever we had to like go in, flash it on. That way we weren't like giving ourselves away all the time. Um, going into this in a competition mindset, though, what is your what's your confidence level utilizing white light? while shooting at night i would definitely say that uh yeah after each iteration it it grows but that's also because just like frank was saying every time you do it you learn something uh and you figure out okay you 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 come into it with an expectation and then all of a sudden you're like oh i I didn't realize that i then you have to adjust for instance um you know hardly ever shooting with a light beforehand let alone one during the day uh, and then coming in and realizing, oh shit, if I have to pick this up off the table, uh, where the hell's my gun again? Again, like where did I put it? And then not only hitting a reload uh, without the light on for light discipline, but also turning the light on and then engaging where your targets are. It really um, reinforced that um, situational awareness and spatial awareness part of it uh, coming into it. And then as soon as that light goes on, you know anything with a reasonable amount of lumens, any sort of night vision you had is is gone um and so you know even something as simple as the very first stage we were on uh during the make ready i i had my dot on turned the light on and as soon as i turned the light on my dot just went away yep. and i was like oh that's right like the brightness that i would have it at to see and not and not be overbearing uh you know when I'm shooting without a light. All of a sudden, as soon as the light comes on, I need to adjust that. And it's something I didn't even think of until I, until the make ready. Um, and, and, you know, little things like that were just like Frank was saying, like, you just have to do it in order to see what it is. And, you know, just like he was saying, we're very lucky that, that we have a facility that we can, we can do that and try things out at and test at. Um, but, you know, if you, if you don't have that, it's, you just got to figure out a way to do it. Whether that's you know going outside and and potentially trying to figure out how it is when it's when you dry fire, and then there's other things that you're gonna figure out along the way. Whenever you're you're going out and sh- and actually shooting, like 
Uh, if you're trying to do passive aiming and all of a sudden you realize your ear pros, uh, not going to facilitate that or your riser isn't high enough and you're trying to, you know, look through a toilet paper tube with a toilet paper tube with both of which with magnified optics. And it's just, it's a mess and things you don't think about until, um, it becomes a problem. So I would say my confidence is increased, but there's a immense amount to grow. Yeah. Um, so I lied. The first question you asked Matt was, uh, how many night matches have we shot? I shot one with Sam Nelson at a 37 PSR in Bun Level, North Carolina. It was a shoot mm-hmm. house. And it was the first time running my kit. Um, I had I had a maul on my rifle, and I had my PVS-14 at the time. Um, and the illumination was so high on the maul that every time I rounded a corner, like <laughs> there were threat targets and hostage targets, and it all washed out. It's, I think I shot everything. I shot all the hostages. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a huge learning curve with night vision. Um, I'd say yes. Even more, we've already handled it, but even steeper, even more steeper than usual kit. And um, the other thing I'll, I'll note for this last weekend, um, the the way they designed the stages forced you into a lot of situations where you had to do uncomfortable things, either under white light or knots. So, John, there was that one stage where you had to start off holding a kettlebell in your left hand. And then you had yep. to go into an unloaded start. Um, there was the other stage where you had to wear a 30-pound uh, – it was probably a little more than 30. Yeah, uh, 30 it was pound like a 35-pound Alice pack. Yeah, it was it was Alice pack. You had to wear that throughout the entire stage. Uh, I honestly forgot about that thing until he, like, handed it to me. I was like, oh, I don't I don't think my stage plan is going to work anymore. <laughs> um, and then there, there, was one, uh, there was one stage where starting off, you only – you could only have five rounds in your magazine. And you, there was a array of three targets to the right and an array of three targets to the left. So some guys would shoot everything to the right, go slide lock, and then have to reload going into the left. And what I did, I, I basically just executed reload off the beginning. Um, so I, I liked the way that, like, it wasn't just a hose fest. It was like, we, you're going to need to know where the hell your magwell is, and you're going to need to know how to execute and reload in the dark. Uh, if you're going to do well at this match, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and if you get a malfunction in the dark, it, oh. it, it's there were a couple guys that got that, and you could figure out real quick who knew how to you know do the remedial actions and then uh, follow on actions if need be, and and who was struggling when they weren't able to clearly see what was going on. I don't know. I would probably just take the magazine out, freaking rack it a few times, throw a new magazine in, and just continue going. Yeah, See, when you say it like that, it sounds so simple. It does sound simple. Just <laughs> go do it. Sometimes you uh, you show up at SAT for the night pistol match, and you're super amped and really excited to shoot under nods, um, and you don't realize that the first magazine that you made ready with is full of dummy rounds, and it takes you <laughs> 15 seconds to switch mags. So, um, it didn't happen to me. <laughs> I don't have anybody. Who knows? <laughs> well, hey, uh, John, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I got to get up there some point, hang out, freaking drink a beer, uh, shoot some guns. Not in that order. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Frank, as always, it's a pleasure to be do this with you. And uh, to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions for us, 
please reach out. We'll get you put in contact with the right people if it's something uh, for the team specifically. Uh, Other than that, thank you for listening and have a good one.